Would you please turn with me to your study outlines? And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are watching online. And I also want to welcome uh, newest members of our, of our family in Arco, Idaho. Pastor Jay just rode his motorcycle up to Montana to the hangar to put on a concert there with Rhiannon, who was uh, here a couple of weeks ago, and then to lead worship in the service there last Sunday night. And then he also stopped on the way with First Baptist Church in Arco, Idaho, and they informed us that they got a hold of our messages and they were fearing having to close their doors. They couldn't afford a pastor. But the thing that enabled them to keep their doors open was now they use our sermons a week delayed, week by week. So we have family members of our church in Arco, Idaho, which I'm informed was the... uh, was the first city that ever went nuclear. They had nuclear power in 1955 for 15 minutes, and that was the uh, first city that ever had nuclear power. So we are so glad, Arco, to have you uh, with us as well. Well, now we are finishing up the story, which we started 31 weeks ago. Can you believe that? At the beginning of 2014, we uh, started the story, and now with a couple of weeks, we took a couple of weeks off for Mother's Day and Easter and things like that, but now we finish up the story. We have sold or given away over 4,000 copies of this, and we'd like to give one to you. If you're visiting with us today, get a hold of that gift bag that Pastor Zeke was talking about, and in that gift bag that's at one of the guest centers, either on the south end of the lobby or the north end, you've got a coupon that looks just like this. And what you do is you turn this in at the resource center, and they will give you a free copy of the story as a gift from us to you. Now today we're going to finish with the book of Revelation. You say, Glenn, how in the world are you going to do the book? book of Revelation in just one message. It requires a series, and we've done a series on it before. Maybe we're due for another full-blown series on the book of Revelation, but I'm not going to do it in just one message. I'm going to do it in two messages. How much easier is that, you know? Uh, Just as hard to do it in two messages as it is to do it with one message. But part one is this morning, and part one and part two is tonight. Uh, at the Claremont campus. Part one this morning, we're going to deal with the main themes of the book of Revelation. And then part two tonight, would you please turn with me to your next page of your study outline. Turn it over to the next page, and in the lower right-hand corner, you'll see that tonight at Purpose in Claremont, I'm going to speak on the five views for understanding the book of Revelation, particularly with regard to its prophecy, the prophetic nature of the book of Revelation. And I am so excited about this. I think it's going to be very, very helpful to you. If you're new to the book of Revelation or if you've always found it, like I have, a bit difficult to understand and mysterious, this is going to be so much help to you. It's just, it's really going to be helpful. Or if you're a long-term veteran of the book, it's one of your favorite books in the Bible, you've studied it a great deal, I think you're also going to be fascinated uh, by the perspective that I take on it uh, here this evening. And so that's going to be a great time. And right after it is 6 o'clock, we're going to have this amazing, meal, this celebration dinner, almost like a banquet we're going to have with uh, cake and ice cream and balloons and have a finishing up the story party. And then if you'd like to, you won't feel pressured to, but there'll be the opportunity if you'd like to share uh, something that the story meant to you over the past 31 weeks, there'll be an opportunity for that as 
well. Then next Sunday, we start our new fall series, Mythbusters, debunking the myths of contemporary culture. And we're going to start off with probably the most challenging of the issues that we'll deal with in this series. Uh, Philip Lee, founder of His Way Out Ministries, is going to speak uh, at the Pomona campus here next Sunday morning. All three services identical, homosexuality and the reality of change. And then he'll do a different message that night at the Claremont campus at 5 o'clock, the myths of homosexuality, followed by a time of question and answer again over dinner. We'll have a chance to ask him our questions. And so I believe it's going to be a very, very powerful day. I ask you to be there, maybe bring somebody with you that uh, has questions in this area, and let's be in prayer for this because this is such a challenging issue today, and we need to get God's perspective on it, and I believe it's going to be very powerful. Philip Lee just has an unbelievable testimony, an amazing story. We've had him before years ago, like a decade ago, and uh, we're having him back now, and I believe it's going to be a a very, very powerful day. Now, the main theme from the book of Revelation is that God wins in the end. That's the main theme of the book. For Christians of all generations, whatever you're going through in your personal life or whatever happens in the world, that God is going to be victorious in the end. Uh, We'll get into this a little bit more tonight, but it was written most likely in the 90s AD during the persecution under the emperor Domitian, or possibly there's another view that maybe it was written in the 60s AD during the time of persecution under the emperor Nero, who we talked about uh, last Sunday. But its main point is to encourage Christians that look at the world and get discouraged that God is going to win in the end. How many of you would find that helpful this morning as you look around the world? If there's ever a time that we need that message, it is today uh, as well. And there are three main things that we're supposed to do with the knowledge that time will soon be up, that we, I believe, are on the last days, and time is going to be up soon, and that God's going to win in the end, well, that leads us to two responses. First of all, we got to prepare. we got to make sure that we're prepared, that the people around us that we love and care about, what we call here at PFB our oikos, the 8 to 15 in our sphere of influence, okay, family, friends, work colleagues, fellow students, we need to be prepared that we are prepared for when time gets up, and when those around us to make sure that they are prepared as well. Number two, we persevere. Even though we face challenges and get discouraged and get tired, the Bible says, let us not be weary in doing good because in due season, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so we're to persevere. Do we have any uh, tennis fans here? Let me see your hands. Anybody a tennis fan? You love the U.S. Open that's going on right now. Here's an illustration from 2010 Wimbledon. And you may remember this. It was the longest tennis match in all of history between the taller one is the American, John Eisner, and he defeated the Frenchman, Nicolas Mahout. This, uh, this match went on for 11 hours and five minutes. Uh, it lasted over three days. The final set, the score was 70 games to 68 games, and finally John Eisner uh, won. And we're to call to persevere, to finish the match, no matter how long it goes, no matter how tired we get. And then number three is priorities. We prepare for when time's up. We uh, persevere until time's up. And then number three, uh, we have to uh, have the right priorities, eternal priorities. This past Tuesday at staff meeting, Pastor Miguel Dorino, he's the pastor of Comunidad Esperanza, Community of Hope, which is our Spanish service that meets at 1111 over here in the B building. And he's from Argentina. 
and he's just been the past month uh, in Argentina. And he came back and he said, Glenn, I want to give you a gift. It's a hundred peso note. And there you'll see it. Ava Perone's picture is on the side of it. Remember that? Don't cry for me, Argentina. And a hundred peso note. And he said, a year ago, this was worth $36. So I was pretty impressed. I said, you can't give me this kind of a gift, $36. He says, just wait for a minute, Glenn. He said, a year ago, it was worth $36. A month ago, it was worth $8. Tuesday, it was worth $6. Who knows what it's worth today? Uh, Because of the terrible currency, devaluing of currency crisis that they're having in Argentina right now. And that is exactly what we're all going through. The stuff of this life that seems so valuable today is quickly losing its value. And when time is up, maybe a better illustration than this 100 peso note, maybe a better illustration is Confederate currency. At the end of the Civil War, when the war was over, it became worthless. And so anybody with the foresight to see where this was going should have gotten rid of all their Confederate cash and changed it into United States currency. Why? Because when the war was over, when time was up, that Confederate currency became worthless. And the only thing that had value was United States currency. And the same thing is true with matters of eternity. When time is up, the currency of this life, the things that we hold so near and dear today will be worth nothing. But things like sharing Jesus with our oikos, things like uh, spending time in prayer and God's word and sharing that with others and relationships, people and the word of God are the only things that are gonna last forever. God's word and people, only things that will last for eternity. So it behooves us to invest in it because time will soon be up. Revelation 22, verse 6, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Book of Revelation presents to us the triumphant Christ. We're assured that in the end, God wins. Now, at the time that it was written, it appeared that Rome ruled the world. It didn't seem like God was winning. It seemed like the outside world was winning as John the Apostle is on exile in the island of Patmos. Put the map up there. The seven churches of Revelation that are in the first three chapters are the red dots in what is today the nation of Turkey. And if you look in the lower left-hand corner, just off the coast is a little island called Patmos. And that's where the apostle John was exiled. Here's what it looks like uh, today. And at the time that it was written, it seemed like Rome ruled the world, that the world wins, God doesn't win. But things are not what they seem. Revelation 1, verse 8, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first letter of the Greek alphabet, last letter of the Greek alphabet. I am the A to the Z, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, the triumphant Christ stays with his church. Verse 12, I looked around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. These represent the churches. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. Now the number seven is used 54 times in Revelation. And the number seven is the perfect number, the number of completion. Yesterday I said to my wife Kimberly, I said, honey, on a scale of one to 10, you're a seven. And she wasn't happy about that at first. And then I explained to her biblically why this was such a great compliment. I said, you are the number of completion. You complete me. 
with Jesus visiting seven of his churches, it means that Jesus visits all of the churches. Now think about that for a moment. Here you are on a beautiful Labor Day weekend, and you've carved out time uh, to be in God's house, to worship him, to study his word, and it's good that you have, because Jesus is visiting our church today. He visits all the church. He is here to be worshiped. He's here to accept our worship. He's here to challenge us through his word. He's here to encourage us through our relationships with each other. Now, the book of Revelation presents to us the very center of the universe, chapter 4, verse 1. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. So the center of the universe is heaven. The center of heaven is a throne, And that someone on the throne is our triumphant God sitting on that throne. Now, at the time that this was written, like I said, it seemed like Rome was in control of the world. But the book of Revelation, one of its main themes is that Rome is not control of the world. God is in control of the world. And the same thing's true today. If you've ever visited Washington, D.C., I love going to Washington, D.C. I grew up about 100 miles south of it, so we'd go up there all the time, even class field trips. We would go up to Washington, D.C. My daughter and son-in-law live there now, so we go there often. And when you walk around Washington, D.C., it's a, it's a funny phenomenon. It's not the biggest buildings, not like skyscrapers in New York City or even like Los Angeles. The, the buildings aren't all that big, and yet there is a feel of power in the air. There's a sense, you, when you walk around Washington, D.C., you feel like it controls the world, like it is the power center for all the world. But Revelation message to us today, like it was for those that first read it, is that even Washington, D.C. is not in control of the world. God is in control. Center of the universe is full of the worship of God. Next page of your study outline, continue of chapter 4, verse 6. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things And by your will, they were created and have their being. Uh, The message of Revelation is that Christ prevails. And his church, the church of Jesus Christ, prevails against Satan and all adversaries. God creates a new heaven and a new earth for his redeemed people. Chapter 21, verse 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, 
God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. But what are you going through this morning that brings a tear to your eye? What is it that's broken your heart? What is it you're afraid of or worried about? What was it that kept you up last night? What was that thing in your life and you shed a tear and you think you're all alone as you do that? And book of Revelation tells you, you are not alone. The king who sits on his throne sits next to you where you sit right now, right here. And he notes everything you're going through. And someday he will sit beside you in heaven and he will go over your life and everything that brought a tear to your eye that you thought you were all by yourself, he, you will realize he was there every step of the way. And now he personally wipes every tear from your eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. Reminds you of Jesus hanging on the cross. It's finished. He says, it's done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Those that receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior are the victorious ones and cling to him. They will inherit all of this. And we'd rather stop right there, but the passage continues. But the cowardly, this doesn't mean that just because if we have fear, but it means those that during times of persecution, those that gave up on Christ, those of us that are ashamed of Christ. Paul writes in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so he says to those that are ashamed of Christ, to those that are unwilling to own up to Christ, uh, to, to be open in their relationship with Christ, to the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And in just a minute, I'm going to give you the opportunity to know before you leave this room that you are part of the former group and not the latter. That you are part of the victorious ones, not because of any effort of your own, but because by claiming Christ as your Lord and Savior, you participate in his victory, as he is on the throne of your heart, so he will be on the throne of the universe someday. Book of Revelation and the whole Bible presents the truth that in the end, God's going to make all things right. We started the story at the beginning of 2014, to be 31 or so weeks ago. And in chapter 1, Genesis, it all got messed up because of sin and our four parents' uh, Adam and Eve and made that fatal decision. We all participated in it as well. And so the whole story has been about God taking that wrong and making it right. Genesis presents the creation of the heavens and earth. Revelation presents the new heavens and earth. 
Genesis tells of the creation of the sun, moon, and stars. Revelation tells that there is no need of the sun because God will be the light. Genesis tells of paradise lost. Uh, Revelation reveals paradise regained. Genesis tells us that Satan was in the first garden. Revelation tells us that Satan will be banished forever from the new garden. Now, the new in new heavens and earth and new Jerusalem doesn't mean replaced, but rejuvenated. Now, just one little side point, and then we're going to wrap things up as we prepare to share the Lord's Supper together. This, to me, is such a helpful point. Uh, We did a long series on heaven uh, a few years back, and one of the main takeaways I took from it is that sometimes our image of heaven is that we're all just like floating on clouds, and we're all kind of just dust in the wind and we're floating around like Casper the ghost and we're sitting on these clouds and we're playing harp music for all of eternity. And man, that doesn't grip my heart in times of need. I'm telling you, when I'm facing temptation or when I get discouraged and want to give up, that image of heaven uh, doesn't capture me. And I should still be motivated, but it just didn't capture my heart. But then what the Bible teaches, we believe, is that he rejuvenates. He takes this earth and heaven and rejuvenates it and makes a new heaven and earth. That means all the things that you love in this life, your hometown, where you live, the San Bernardino Mountains, the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, Victoria Falls in Africa, whatever it is that that is just the most beautiful spot and you'd like to revisit that spot, um, you will be able to. You'll be able to go to your hometown. You'll be able to, I'll be able to go back to the family farm and wander along the forest, which I, I, I love to do. I'll be able to go to the New York Adirondacks or to Yosemite or Yellowstone or whatever you just love about this world. It'll be rejuvenated. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And boy, when I begin to think about that, I find it highly motiv- motivational to prepare, to persevere, to have the right pr- priorities in preparation for that day. But you know, the most important truth, I mean, if I'm wrong on that, it's gonna be way better than anything I come up with, okay? Whatever it is for you, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a wilderness trip, maybe it's a golf course, maybe it's eternal football games. I don't know what it is for you. But whatever it is, I guarantee it'll be way better than anything we can imagine. But the most important question this morning is not what will it be, but will you be there? That is by far the, what the whole story is about. That's what this story has been about. That's what the story of God's word is about. It's about God on a search and rescue mission. And he finishes up with an appeal at the end of this 66 books of the story and God's word. He finishes it up in Revelation 3 verse 20 by saying, here I am. He's here. He visits the churches. He's right here, right now. I stand at the door and I knock. He's knocking at the door of your heart. If anyone hears my voice, do you sense him in your heart right now? Do you sense him calling out to you? If anybody hears my voice, maybe you're listening on podcast or you're online or, 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 or wherever you might be. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door of your heart, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He will dwell in the throne of your heart and you'll be one of the victorious ones that spends eternity with him in heaven and not the alternative 
of those that reject Christ. So you say, Glenn, I don't believe I'm here by accident. It's not an accident that on a holiday weekend I just showed up here today, and it's not. And so if you look just across the page there in your study outline, you'll see uh, at the top of the page how to become a follower of Jesus. It talks about three simple steps. First of all, you admit your condition before God. God, outside of Christ, I am one of the cowardly. I am one of the vile. I am one of, I, I have lied. That whole list that we were just looking at, Lord, that, that's me. Yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But B, believe that Jesus is God's only solution to that condition. Yes, the wages of sin is spiritual death. That lake of fire that Revelation was just talking about. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then C, you choose to open the door of your heart and follow Jesus as your Savior and Lord. He says, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Would you pray silently as I pray out loud? Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to earth. I believe Jesus was who he said he was, and he proved it by rising from death. I want to discover and begin following your plan and purpose for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me and forgiving all my sins. Right here, right now, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for your free gift of eternal life. And I pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's family said, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we've got some resources to help you in your walk with Jesus. As you leave after the service, on the north, north side of the lobby, on the south side at the guest center, uh, that Zeke was talking about earlier. There are some gift bags. And, and if there's somebody that, if you'd like to talk to somebody, there's somebody that you can talk with. But if you want no pressure, no obligation, just pick one of these up as you leave. And we hope that'll be an encouragement with you in, in, in your walk with Christ. And then you're very welcome to share the Lord's Supper with us. If you prayed that prayer or something like it uh, today or in the past, you're welcome to show that outwardly by, the Bible says, Paul says, for as often as you take this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back again. So by receiving the Lord's Supper, we are basically saying when we take the cup and the bread, we are proclaiming Jesus, remembering his first coming and proclaiming the fact that he's coming back uh, again. In the book of Revelation, we'll get into that more deeply tonight about the prophetic nature of the book. We're proclaiming his first coming until he comes back uh, the second time.